Hi everyone, my name is Coulomb and welcome to the So Outrageous Podcast. Today on our show we do a little introduction because I just want you guys to get to know a little bit of who I am, where I came from, and what drove me to do this podcast. And later on we have a special guest, Mr. David C. Jones, a man of many hats, a huge influence in the queer art community of Vancouver, and on a personal note, my improv teacher back in acting school. So stick around. First of all, here's the concept. It's quite simple. When I was a young gay boy growing up in a small French town of New Brunswick, Canada, yes, that's why I have an accent, and on a show about diversity, there's no reason not to embrace it, no? So let's get back to it. Growing up, I was being shamed for being feminine emotional and liking things that were normally liked by girls and when I opened the TV there was barely ever anyone like me on it and when there was they were mostly being ridiculed until one day the internet finally got introduced into a household and then I could finally do some research and look for other people like me I knew they existed I had a feeling I wasn't the only one and right away I fell head over heels into queer arts. I could never stop reading about the older movies with their subtle subtle undertones because to me it was simply so interesting to know how it was simply not allowed to be shown. And then I found the crazy 70s and the 80s with all those homoerotic films that were never gay but oh so gay. And then I found music videos. Maybe the singers were not queer themselves but a lot of them opened my eyes to the queer community, and they were not afraid to show it. I'm pretty sure the first time I've seen two men or two women embracing each other or kissing was watching music videos. Thanks to people like Madonna, Janet Jackson, and many, many more. I would pause every time I would see two guys kissing. It drove my straight brother insane. Let's just say he knew I was gay before I even did. And then my research just kept going and going until I learned about Stonewall and Truman Capote and more of the queer history. I don't know why, but it was just like candy to me. And I was a chubby kid, so I just ate it all up. It probably came from the fact that in my hometown, there was not one person I felt comfortable to open to. Because nobody was openly gay. Well, not that I knew of. And... When I finally learned about other people like me and having proof that I wasn't the only one, flash forward a few years, I realized that the new generation that grew up after me, and even more if they came from the city, had a better understanding of the LGBTQ plus community. It's still not perfect, but there's a huge difference. But I found that there was a lot of unawareness towards the past too. Lots of them take it for granted that they can show affection in public and simply keep their job while being their true self. But at the same time, they're way more open and they often open my eyes to greater things I had never even thought about. And that's why I wanted to create this show. I wanted to have discussions with people of all different ages about what it was like growing up queer at their time, in different places, and with different circumstances. Everyone has a story, and I want all generations 
to learn and understand the other generations better. I want to know how hard it was for someone who's older than me, because I know it was even harder to find. But I also want to know how it is for new generations who has an overload of information coming at them. How do they see it? How do they filter it? There's no limits to the conversations. For me, I found representation in film, TV, and music. But for someone else, it might be books, art, fashion, even the streets. So let's all share our stories and learn queer art history through everyone's singular journey. And P.S. You don't have to be queer to have noticed it. Now let's take a little break. And after the break, we will talk about what influenced my journey. And don't forget, later on, we have David C. Jones. And we're back. So now, me. Well, like I said, I grew up French in New Brunswick. Didn't speak English until I turned 15. So before all my research was French focused. Don't get me wrong, I still watch lots of English language content, but dubbed in French. So that's definitely limiting. There wasn't as many websites to browse through or a selection to hear or see, but I still was able to find some little things to help me find myself. Let's start with the three most influential Oh, the three most influential pieces of my teenage years. They were quite easy to remember because they're still really important in my life. Uh, it was two TV shows, one called Buffy the Vampire Stayer and one called Dawson's Creek, and a film called Moulin Rouge. Those three things were my life. Why? First, Buffy. I could relate to Buffy. She was girly, but badass. She was something she didn't choose to be, but learned to embrace and make it her strength. We'll talk more about Buffy in upcoming episodes, don't worry. Then there was Dawson's Creek where I saw for the first time a boy who liked other boys. What an eye-opener. And Moulin Rouge was just extravagance, and it embraced people of all different groups under one magical movie. With those three always in the background, I suddenly wanted more. And that's when I found the music videos. There used to be a Quebec-based MTV-like channel called Musimax that used to hear sassy and often banned videos after midnight for a full hour of just really sexy videos. I often was babysitting, so I ended up often alone and awake at that hour. On the weekends, and that's when I first saw, for the first time, Madonna's Justify My Love and Erotica, full of sexual images and often gay. It was a real awakening. Now, not only did I know about other gay people, now I saw sensuality and sex in a way I had never saw before. And it's by looking at those sexy videos that I realized that I loved woman's body as something gorgeous and sublime, but also something that I wasn't sexually attracted to. Every time a girl would get embraced by a strong man, I didn't want to kiss her, but be in her place. But that wasn't enough. Now I needed more, and suddenly, one day, we got a full month free preview of the Out TV channel on our television. Oh my god, 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, they were showing and talking about people like me. I always remember a show. I think it was called Out in the City. And they used to go from city to city just following the lives of queer people. And some of them were in Montreal. And we had family in Montreal. So now I knew I needed to get out of a small town and move to the city as soon as I could. Out TV really opened my eyes to a lot of different people. And I remember even calling the cable company and passed for my mother and asked the channel and I mean and asked for the channel to be added to our roster. To this day, I still don't know if my mom ever noticed she was paying for it every month. <laughs> but she kept it. She kept it on for years after I was gone even. I think until she changed cable, comp cable companies. Without it, I would have definitely felt lonely. Well, this is only a little snippet of what helped me growing up. After the break, I'll talk a bit more randomly about other pieces that affected me growing up. And we're back. I just wanted to let you guys know that this is really special to the first episode that I'm talking alone like that. Uh, and then we will go into an interview. Uh, for future episodes, there would usually be me alone talking about history or just a simple full interview. They will mostly be full interviews. So now I'm going to list a bunch of titles that affected me and tell you a little bit why. In 2003, my life changed because I came upon a little miniseries on a TV station called HBO. And that miniseries was Angels in America. Based on a play by Tony Kushner, there was a film about AIDS and filled with queer characters. It wasn't a happy movie, but for the first time I really felt like I was seeing an authentic personification of queer life. A dark one, but a real one. They were not the butt of the joke for once, but just characters living their lives like everyone else. If only I could have known but if only I could have known back then that seven years later I would be playing prior in acting school, one of the most fulfilling experience of my life that really helped me grow as a person. Then I'll always remember stumbling upon a TV show on Showcase that used to all play, always play sexy shows at night. And that TV show was called Queer as Folk. It was a remake of a British show. And oh my God, this show was simply a sexual awakening for me. It was for lots of other boys, I think, at that time. And I remember that a couple years into Queer as Folk, they started the L word. The lesbian version, as you could say. But that was the first time for me that I really got to learn a little bit more about lesbian life lifestyle. And I know I'm going fast here, but I'm trying to get as much inf information here so you guys can know me a little bit better before we go on and on and on. Okay, what else? If we slowly jump toward the music world, I have to admit that I really didn't have any gay figure I was looking up to. I knew Elton John was gay, but my mom loved him, and you never want to be a fan of the same thing as your mother. Same thing with Queen. It was only in my 20s that I realized how impactful and amazing Queen and Elton John were, 
as a teenager, I was more turned toward the gay icons. I love Cher, Britney, Janet, Carly. But my top three really was Christina Aguilera, Celine Dion, and Madonna. Even if they were not considered queer personalities, they were not afraid to show queer imagery. Madonna could be considered queer, but she mostly she's mostly still seen as a straight woman. I remember seeing two male dancers kissing on a DVD of Christina Aguilera's trip tour. And since they were doing it right in front of Christina while she was singing about love, it just made me so happy. And there was the beautiful music video that featured a gay couple kissing too. Since that album, Christina has always been a huge part of my life. And in the queer community, she always, she's always been a strong supporter and an and a lie of being your true self. When it comes to Celine Dion, my favorite anecdote about being a queer fan of Celine is, I don't know if you remember, but in 2004, a film called Prom Queen, the Mark Hall story. And in it, they, and in it, when the main character comes out to his parents, his mom just say, we knew you have blue hair and a Celine Dion poster in your room. Well, Let's just say that when I first saw this movie, I was sitting on the couch with my mom and I had blue hair and there was not one, but three Celine Dion posters in my room. So let's just say I did feel real small at that moment. <laughs> but I think it's enough for now. I'm pretty sure more things will show up in upcoming episodes, but this is the type of stories I want to hear. I want to know what did you have to look up to to help you accept and love yourself? And unfortunately, it's not always the case. Queer characters were, were, I mean, queer characters were way too often the butt of the joke in the past. And can it can be hard on someone's self-esteem when you are trying to accept and love yourself. But if you can't love yourself, how in hell you're going to love somebody else? <laughs> now, let's take a little break and come back with our discussion with David C. Jones! Well, hello everyone, this is the first episode of the So Outrageous podcast and we are here with David C. Jones. Um, I'm just going to rip off from the VancouverPresents.com uh, page because I love what they say because David is a man of many hats. David is a keynote speaker, actor, director, and public speaking coach, a graduate of Studio 58, and a teacher at Vancouver Film School. He also works as an MC, auctioneer, and corporate comedian. David has created 13 short films, produced and hosted a television series, as well as television special, and was the entertainment manager for the 2010 Winter Olympics. He has been recognized as one of the of the business Vancouver's top 40 under 40 and is the recipient of the Vancouver Pride Society's Pride Legacy Award and the City of Vancouver Award of Excellence. And the reason why David is with us tonight is because David was my improv teacher in acting school. Hello, David. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Great. This is... This is many hats, but is there any other hats that you think is important for us to know about you? Oh, I don't know. I, 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 one of the things that happens with me is that I get easily bored and I'm very creative. I used to say that my middle initial stood for comedy, 
But now <laughs> that I'm older, I say my middle initial stands for creativity. I just oh. go, I want to try that. I haven't done that before. I want to try that. I bet I can do that. But the one thing that ties almost everything that I do together is it all involves an audience. Um, whether I'm making a film or whether I'm teaching or whether I'm uh, hosting or performing or acting or directing, there's always a group of people receiving. Um, so one of the things that's been challenging about this pandemic is I suddenly lost all my gigs <laughs> and I got yeah. laid off from teaching and suddenly I was without an audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's, I, I, I feel you there. I was, uh, let's just say, I'm just going to keep it quick because this is not a COVID-19 podcast, but I had two years of work uh, scheduled and right now uh, everything is off. It's not even uh, postponed uh, for the moment. Everything is canceled. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So don't know what the future is coming, but whatever. Yeah. Thunder has <laughs> been tricking me because it kept pop uh, things with alarms will go off going, uh, don't forget flying to Kelowna tomorrow. And I went, no, I'm not. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I'm, I was going to France in, uh, in a couple of, well, in May. So, my alarm has like uh, my phone has alarms of like uh, make sure you got a suitcase. I had like a, a certain date I wanted to make sure I had bought a suitcase and things like that. And I'm getting those and I'm like, oh shoot, I should have canceled those because those are not making me feel good right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, but you know what's been really fun is I've been I, mean, I have been staying creative with uh, doing stuff online. Um, uh, yeah, if people don't know you already. Uh, David has been all over my Facebook feed in the, <laughs> since the quarantine started, which I love, with many, many characters uh, that some you already did at other jobs before, I think. Yeah, or, a few of them, few yeah. them are, uh, excuse me, I'm just going to cough for a second. <clears throat> excuse me, that's a... Oh, no, COVID-19, COVID-19. It was a productive cough. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, 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 the, a few of the characters, Sandra Veranda and Bobby Beetle, have existed before. And then what I've been doing is been making up characters. And I've decided to uh, stop at um, nine. So number seven was just produced today. And okay. that was a, 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 oh gosh, I can't even remember the name of the character now. Oh, Black the Slug. Black the Slug was the character uh, that I spent all night editing because I wanted to play with the voice and stuff. So uh, um, all, all of the characters sing. Uh, and um, uh, it's so good. Yeah. And usually they're about five minutes long because they have a little story. And I tried. To yeah. Yeah. You, 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 we can see that you, it's not like, Im like you, although you were my improv teacher, we can see that this is not improv. It's mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you worked on it. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, and and I and I some of the characters are sad, some of them are nasty, uh, <laughs> right? So I, I try to make them all interesting. They're all flawed. In all my movies and all my scripts and all I've written is is I don't write ideal people. I always write characters. Like in the, my short films, I always have the character do something very negative, almost very uh, off the top of the scene. Because I think we are. Exactly. People. That's that's real life. That's real life. Mm -hmm. We find. I, I, uh, I would say like Celine Dion has been saying, but uh, I've got my own imperfections. Yeah. 
<laughs> you just got to embrace it sometimes. Yeah, it's just what it is. Um, so, um, yeah, so that's so that's been fun. I'm uh, now that I I was also doing the corn film challenge, which was neat because uh, the way that worked was uh, the people who organized it was you had to write a two-page script within a theme. Um, okay, yeah. And you had to include a line of dialogue. And uh, the you then submitted your script. It was given to a different director, and you got someone else's script. Oh, cool. And you didn't know who the writer was. And oh, you couldn't cool. ask them questions, and you just made choices, right? Like in my first one, I included my cat. Uh, now, they didn't write a cat in their script. But I added one in. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's cool. When you don't have the writer, be that you have to ask the writer every line that you change if it's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But luckily, uh, you find out who the writer is afterwards. Yeah, but it's so cool. That's that's really cool. Yeah. It, it's 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 a little bit like back going back to acting school a little bit because uh, we we were doing the same thing with our monologues. We were doing monologues about our life, and then we will switch them around, and then other people will do the monologues about our yeah. lives, which which is cool because then you you find you find layers in there that sometimes the person who wrote it didn't write, or I don't know. It's I love that. I love when you do other people's work. Well, and and being creative is what keeps us alive. I mean, it's it's about it's about. Uh, I mean, everyone's creative every day. Whether you're just planning on the route to get to work, if you're still working during these times, or with yeah. dinner, right? Everyone is using creative creativity. But when you are um, making art, when you're creating just for the pleasure of creating, as opposed to I have to feed myself or I have to you know get to work. You you go oh this is kind of the point of being alive, and even if you, even yeah. if you frustrate yourself even if you go oh I don't know how to do this, right? Um, you're still yeah, learning something. Yeah, and I think that's what that's the best thing to do right now in this time of being quarantined like that because it's either you sit you you pity yourself and you don't do nothing or you actually do all the stuff that you were saying oh I, I always wanted to do this but I never had the time to well do it mm -hmm. it's there's no more time no better time to do yeah. it yeah so uh... it and it's like building up a little I find it like it's almost like building up a little resume too like it's it's little stuff that you might be able to even use in little demos and or in our business, everything is a business card. I say every yeah. every five seconds of what you do is a business card. You can you'll find one day that one person will see that one thing that will bring you something else. So we just have to create those things and put them out. If we just don't do anything, nothing's ever gonna happen. Yeah, and uh, it's it's uh, you know it's uh, 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 in the end, you know, we're not, no one's getting out alive. <laughs> uh, uh, now with this virus, maybe some sooner than, <laughs> sooner than others. Uh, so when you're on your, you know, without being too morbid or graphic or putting too fine a point on it, when you're on your deathbed looking back, what are you going to be proud of? What are you going to go, exactly. I did that, right? Um, so, yeah. Yep. I I'm totally agree with you. It's... Uh, it's uh, you want to be able to look back on, on your life and not say, oh, I wish I had done yeah. that. No, 
I, I, it, I, I, pref- I hope I look back and say, oh my God, I did so many things. Now I think I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When, when you finally, you know, shuffle off, you should be going, God, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love hearing about, you know, those people that work, 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 like they work horses their whole life and then they stop working and they die a week after. Right. Yeah. And people are like freaking out. They're like, oh, well, what? I can't believe he was finally home doing that, like finally being able to. And then when you really know those people, you're like, well, he probably died for that reason because he was not the type of person who would have been happy being home doing that right. thing. Yeah. You know, it's his body was like, okay, you, it's, it's time to go. <laughs> okay, well, let's jump in uh, what this show is yeah. about. As uh, people know, this is a show about queer uh, visibility in the media. And uh, I usually always ask the same question to start with. And it's uh, growing up, where did you see or find yourself? Uh, like I first saw myself on TV, oddly enough, even though, um, actually, nowhere I probably first saw myself was in the village people. Because uh, I'm older, uh, uh, when I was a little, littler kid, you know, mid-sized kid, uh, I became enamored <laughs> with the village people. And in one of their albums, there was a fold-out poster of all six of the men, six of them, as it were. Okay. And I remember... Six yeah, five, David yeah. Hodo, the construction worker, was uh, crouching on the ground with his his uh, legs sort of spread in a crouch, and the inside okay. seam of his jeans that he was wearing was torn, so you could see some of his thigh. And I remember being so okay. fascinated by that picture, and so fascinated by that tear in his jeans that I went, "Okay, something's up." <laughs> <laughs> um, then I became kind because of, uh, uh, my family situation was such that it wasn't an issue that you could talk about um, and uh, I then became sort of ravenous for more information and in those days there was very little gay representation on TV um, it showed up on some talk shows occasionally um, but uh, there was a, like a television show called Soap which was a comedy yes. show, which had an open a gay character in the first episode. Um, and uh, also a, a soap opera named Dynasty, which the yes. first season actually involved a gay lover of a son getting murdered. So it was like, wow, that's like a main storyline here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. What was interesting in both soap and in Dynasty, both the gay characters ended up sleeping with women. And not only that, it turns out gays have super sperm because both the women got pregnant. Because I think one of the things that writers back then didn't know how to do is they didn't know how to write gay characters. But they knew how to write heterosexual characters. (laughs) And they were like, well, how do I complicate the story? Well, what if they have sex with a woman and she gets pregnant? Okay, yeah, there, that complicates the story. So... (laughs) And that was only the beginning of it being legal to have characters yeah. being gay without being uh, being them, because before that they were allowed only if they were the villains. Yeah, or, or suicidal. Uh, you could have depressed yeah. gays as well. One of the things that happened too, like uh, there was a TV show called Fame, which was the precursor to Glee, and in the movie Fame, yeah. 
there was a character who was gay. He that's one in one of his troubles in high school or in performing arts school. In the TV series, that character was played by a different actor, but they never mentioned his sexuality in the TV show. And the character. So the movie came. The movie first. came first. Yeah, the movie. There was there was a movie okay. uh, by Alan Parker, and I remember being so disappointed when the character, like he was coded gay because he never he never had a girlfriend, but there were no storylines around him being gay, and there was no mention of it. And I remember that just breaking my heart. Um, so that that you know, wow, this was a, clearly a gay character, and they they neutered him. And uh, uh, like you were talking about uh, the 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 show Soap, is that the one with Billy? Uh, Billy Crystal. Time? Billy Crystal. Yeah. Billy Crystal. Okay. Is um. I've heard. I don't know if it's that one or Dynasty. I think it's that one. Is that the he has he makes a, a boyfriend. Yeah. He has a boyfriend, and then the boyfriend asks him to become. Yeah, a woman. They, one of the things when you rewatch the show is very not very smart in terms of a transgender issues and stuff, and it plays it for laughs. Um, yeah, that's why. I yeah, and one of the things. Yeah, if you if you go back to watch now, you have to kind of know that you're looking at a less enlightened time it was a comedy show and it wasn't it wasn't making fun of um transgendered characters so much although the father character is homophobic to begin with so he's even more homophobic when he's going to become a woman you just go okay there's nothing realistic about him transitioning to a woman no because you don't you just don't transition yeah yeah so you're not just asking. You're like, oh yeah, for you because I love you, I will become a woman. Although, te although that's technically, that's the same plot as Hedwig. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So it, it's not like it's not like men have not ever been under pressure before. <laughs> like, and, but it's more the uh, it's more the uh, it's a rare, very rare thing, as opposed to a common thing. And so so. If you go back to watch it, had a lot of fun stuff uh, about it, but you have to kind of go, it was the 80s and they didn't know any better. Cer certainly Billy yeah. Crystal didn't, like they didn't, they didn't mock it, except one of the characters mocked it. The character was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this, right? Uh, oh, okay. But they weren't, they weren't going, I'm going to be a girl, right? They, 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 they treated it with great sincerity, which is one of the things that makes it even more laughable. <laughs> you kind of go, that's not how it works. That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. I've, I've heard on, of that show, too, that it could have been like uh, the first time people saw some, some gay person stand up for themselves because there were bullies and stuff in the show, but he would not just let them talk to him. He would talk back he would like stand up for himself which i guess for kid growing up seeing that on tv when you're gay it, well nice. also his boyfriend was the uh, was a football player so that was part of the issue too and so for for, for portraying uh, a, a macho character as being gay and in a relationship um oh that that's, that's yeah really so that so it, it, for all of its little marks against it, you know, you were like, well, you were very progressive in many ways. 
but yeah, it, it, that's that. That's what we 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 love to say when we talk about uh, queer representation in media. When you look at the past, is that uh, it might not makes us look the best, but at least yeah. we're there. <laughs> like it's uh, there's so much. It's they're so hard to find that when you do find them, you're like, okay, I, I'm, you're you're still rejoicing and finally seeing someone that might think like you or look like yeah. you. Or like the things. You yeah, know, you know. and I guess the next sort of sort of thing that happened for me is I was getting more into my puberty, uh, uh, you know, time, and was music was happening, and of course, you had characters like I was never a David Bowie fan, but I heard that he had declared himself bisexual. Um, uh, yeah, uh, and then there were characters like Boy George, but Boy George was always cagey about who he was and if he was gay or not. He never he never said because it wasn't prudent for him to say so if he was going to have a successful career. He just sort of said, I am what yeah, I he, am, <laughs> right? Yeah, he would mention more uh, being more uh, playing with ambiguity yeah. and gender more than sexuality. Yeah. But then one of the things that happened was then Bronsky Beat came along. And Bronsky Beat was, were unabashedly gay. Their cover of their first album had a pink triangle on it, and oh my god, I don't. They even had know a they few, oh, you should look them up. They had they had two two Definitely. hit songs that became dance songs. One that got a lot of radio play. Um, that used a lot of very clear language, but it was vague enough that people might not get what it was about. It was called Small Town Boy, and mm-hmm. it was about uh, a boy leaving. Uh, what is it? Leaving alone everything you own in a little suitcase. <laughs> um, it's the parents <laughs> kicking him out and him moving to the city. And so it's called Small Town Boy. And then their second song, which was more of a dance hit in the gay clubs than it was uh, anywhere else, was called Tell Me Why. And it was a song about gay bashing, which is really a, a, ter- a, oh. a, a subject you want to dance to. <laughs> so you should... You should it's look true. up uh, Bronsky Beat, and Bronsky Beat. Beat. I'll definitely look it up. That's why. That's why we make this show. The whole idea is to to find new stuff to listen to to well, watch. And the, or, while the actual name of the album is Age of Consent, and they list oh. all the different countries in the world and the age that homosexual uh, uh, liaisons are legal. Which some of them are no, they yeah they they just the countries that where it was, and so some places it was sixteen, some places it was twenty one. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 uh, uh, I love that, and that was around. The, oh gosh, Bronsky Beat was probably um, eighty two, three eighty four maybe. Um, that's yeah. Progressive. Well, they weren't they weren't like I said, Small Town Boy was a really uh uh um uh popular song but it uh, it was vague enough that you didn't i mean if you saw the video you were you knew (laughs) what was going on because you see him looking at a a swimmer and then being beaten up and roughhoused by some men for looking at the swimmer uh i just looked it up when we were talking it was released in 1984 yeah okay they released another album afterwards uh the lead singer left and went solo right afterwards um, and they had a they got a new singer in. Um, they also that also they continued doing queer music, uh, but it was never the same. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually, their new singer, actually, they did a song, uh, Hit That Perfect Beat, but and they actually reference uh, AIDS in that song. One of the lines is, oh. hiding from the danger that's been sent. Uh, what is it? Touch and kiss a stranger when all else fails, hiding from the danger that's been sent from hell. Yeah. Oh, that's good. So that was from their second album with a new lead singer. And yeah, in the 80s, there, since I find that uh, th- since there was not that many, many, many gay figures that were out there, outly gay, there, there was a lot of. Uh, that's where you find a lot of gay icon female, like female gay icons, like the Madonna of this world and the Cher well, of this world, all those straight people that actually spoke out for the gay people. Yeah, they were, uh, yeah, I would say gay allies, right? And Madonna, uh, Madonna yeah. also was very proud about saying how she slept with women, but that was more about her, her uh, about being unabashedly sexual as opposed to being even bisexual. She was just like, I'll fuck anything. Yeah, about being unapologetic. <laughs> yeah, she was unapologetic. And uh, it's, uh, and I think for her, uh, it was more like the fact of that I'm allowed to have fantasies. Mm-hmm. And, widely, it's widely yeah. uh, talked about that she and Sandra Bernhard were lovers for a long time. Yeah, I love, I love them together <laughs> too. And, Every time you see videos of them together, it's so they're so they're so funny. You can see there's something yeah. between the two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, the the. Well, talking about Madonna, like uh, I know we had that discussion before, but not with the people on the podcast. But uh, me, uh, the first time I knew I was gay, or maybe I had that questioning, uh, it was uh, watching uh, in in French TV. We have a French channel, like. Um, like much music but in french uh, we have music plus but we have uh, music max which is i think it used to be in english it used to be two i think it was much more uh-huh. music it was like like much music but for like older people like more like um was it like alternative let's like alternative music or older music well, like no i would say like like the crowd would be old an older crowd like uh much music was for like teenagers and yeah. like early twenties, while much more music was more for like people in their thirties ah. and their forties. Mm-hmm. Like it, and that was I've always been an old soul, so I've always been. That was my, and uh, I used to babysit. And when the kid used to go to bed at midnight, from midnight to one o'clock, they used to play dirty videos, videos that they were not allowed to play at regular times. So videos that were really sexy or provocative and everything. And uh, that's where I met uh, Madonna uh, with uh, Justify My Love in Paris, walking down the hallway of the hotel and peeking in, in the rooms with BDSM and then two girls and men on girl and threesomes and drag queens and dancers. And oh, I was so many questions suddenly popped up in my nice. head. That night. <laughs> that's beautiful. Uh- uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. There, were, I mean, there were a few movies around in the '80s for me. Um, of course, I was a huge fan of Rocky Horror, Rocky Horror Picture Show, oh, uh, love and Rocky I would dress Horror. up and go to that. And then there were films like uh, there was a, a big '80s film called Making Love, which was quite awful. Uh, yeah, Making it was about a, a man who leaves his wife for another man. Uh, 
and uh okay there was a comedy called partners where it was a cop ryan o'neill who ends up getting a gay partner of course played by a straight guy <laughs> john hurt um and For yeah sure. and there was there was a lot more lesbian stuff i seem to recall there was um some tennis film that Mariel Hemingway was in. Can't remember all the titles because I didn't go see them. I didn't care about, I didn't care what those women were yeah. doing. <laughs> I felt, I've always felt that it was, uh, uh, homosexuality was always more, uh, was accepted first more towards the lesbians on, well, whether, uh, movies and TVs and stuff like that. I, I remember seeing a lot of girl kissing on TV when I was a kid and being so amazed when I saw two guys because that was rare, but I saw a lot of... I remember seeing girls right. quite a lot. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's uh, it... Seemed to be a little bit more taboo if it's two guys, which I don't understand why, but how? who am I to understand the rest of the world well i mean in heterosexual porn right i mean we're not well we're not saying anything that's not been said before but heterosexual form almost always features a scene between two girls right uh, so there uh, I, yes i used to i used to never look at that i used to remember if there was ever seen like i remember if you were to watch like a late night stuff on tv if there was ever scenes where there was two girls i would the only thing I can remember that tells how gay I was was all I was always tell. Oh my god, that hair looks so yellow because there was always a girl with a really, 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 really <laughs> yellow hair, and I I used to always remember how the hell do they do this with yeah those yeah they that's the yeah. only thing I remember. You know what? It, it's funny because of course the next thing that happened in the world was the AIDS crisis hit, and then that. Uh, growing up in the middle of that, uh, uh, I often speak to that I have AIDS damage, not so much that I was uh, 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 HIV positive, but I suddenly was coming into my puberty and wanted to have sex just as suddenly mm -hmm. the media was going insane with its fear that if you touch a homosexual, you will die, right? And everyone was like, why is this happening? And how are people dying yeah. and stuff? And so myself having moved so often when I was younger. So I was never very good at talking to people because we were constantly moving and then suddenly realizing I was gay and didn't want to talk about that. And then suddenly realizing, Oh my God, I'm going to die if I touch anyone because I'll get the AIDS. Right. It was like, wow, you, you this was like a critical, critical storm. <laughs> no wonder I became creative. <laughs> I, I had all. Yeah. But definitely, that must be really something because you suddenly have the urge to experiment and do stuff, but at the same time, you have a fear that yeah, that is yeah, and it was all, yeah. all you know. Again, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have the library, any kind of facts that you could find at your high school were likely very outdated uh, very quickly because it was all so new. Um, and anytime it showed up on the media, it was, uh, uh, you know, in the 12 channel universe, it was either done horrifically like the news, 1700 more people died today because of AIDS, or it was, um, yeah. a guy named Phil Donahue interviewing a guy named Ryan White 
who was a kid who got AIDS from a transfusion, which had was sort of coded to say those horrible gays gave this kid the AIDS, right? And so I was like, okay, well, I'm yeah. not getting any information here that is making me feel remotely at ease. No, it's it was fear creating. Sort of, it's fear. ironic the uh, that we're in that time again. Yeah, a little bit. That's what I was thinking. It's it's uh, now it's it's not just that's the difference with COVID. It's it's not. There's no safe race. There's no safe gender. There's no safe sexual orientation. Like you, they cannot blame it on. Well, they're blaming it on stuff, but you know what I mean. They, you cannot just isolate one group like they were doing with AIDS. Well, yeah, and people are trying to. It's like the, the character video that I filmed yesterday. Uh, there's tons of conspiracy videos out there right now, blaming everything from the new uh, uh, 5G towers <clears throat> to the Chinese, to the government, to Bill yeah. Gates. And it's because what's happening is so unthinkable that people are overthinking it. I know. That's what I'm thinking all the time. Every time I hear those conspiracies, that's what I think. I'm like... This is already so much you don't, it's, it's like you don't have to imagine worse. It's already so bad. Totally, <laughs> totally. This is already a movie. You don't have to, to, to invent a new script. We are living it. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's weird. There were some, uh, in the early days of the crisis, uh, of this current crisis, there were some um, people, some older gays, not me, I try not to be negative uh, uh, if possible. Um, although, you know, I'm only human. Uh, who were drawing an equation <laughs> of, of people saying, you know, why isn't the government doing anything about uh, COVID-19? And then they would do a picture of the AIDS quilt underneath going, we've already been here. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, it's not the same thing. It's I understand that there's like some stuff that might be similar, but it's Yeah. Not. I think I think the equation only was when the uh, gay community was asking the government, uh, can you help with the AIDS crisis? The government ignored it and laughed it off. Like those recordings of Ronald yeah, oh, the, no. Ronald Reagan, who was the president at the time, his health. Okay, back uh, then. Okay, I thought you meant today. I meant I thought you no, meant no, no, COVID nineteen. No. <laughs> really COVID, people okay, were yeah, like saying, in the, in AIDS, yeah. "Why is nobody helping?" And and the gays were going, uh, we "Yeah, but it might be interesting for our uh, our listeners what was happening yeah. with the AIDS, like you were talking about." Uh, so people were sending letters to. Regan and Regan was. Oh, yeah, like you saying well, two minutes ago. Uh, and I, I don't want to misquote, but I remember uh, uh, when reporters were asking, like, his health minister or whoever was in charge of that portfolio, uh, uh, when one of the reporters was trying to ask a question about AIDS, he just made some kind of homophobic comment about the reporter. Like, what? You were gay kind of thing, right? Oh. Of making it a joke rather than seriously answering the question. Um, 
So in the early days of the AIDS crisis, and early days, I mean like for like six years, the the government ignored it. Well, in major centers like San Francisco yeah. and New York, uh, uh, young men were dropping dead at an alarming rate. And information kept changing, like like with what we're living yeah. right now, because we don't know. Like you cannot say it's going to be like that in three years. We don't know what it's exactly. Going to be like in three exactly. Years, so. We're getting very morbid. We're getting... <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's interesting because there's a lot of good, uh, good, good representation of AIDS uh, in because uh, I remember growing up. Uh, one of the first things I saw yeah. was uh, Angels in America. And uh, that was really something that really changed me. And I got lucky enough to play prior mm. when I was in acting school. And that was, uh, that was life-changing yeah, for that... me because uh, I've always, that, that fear of dying alone and stuff has always been creeping behind my mind. And it was just like being able to, to work on it in the uh, well, One of the things really too fun. is there's some plays really that were written at the time, like As Is, and um, the normal heart, and some of those plays are stuck in their time. Yep, they don't resonate. The one of the reasons why Angels in America resonates with the 21st century audience is because it had those fantasy elements in it, and it was fantastical. But some of those other plays, particularly as yeah. is, is almost never produced anymore. And when you look at it, you go, "Yeah, it's kind of trapped in its time. It was a reaction to what was happening in that time." And now, and the politics of that time and the zeitgeist of that time. And now that we're not in that time, it doesn't resonate the same way with the audience. And, and it doesn't capture them as much. And yeah, there's a lot of plays, Which a lot of feminist plays, a lot of issue-oriented plays that, that you kind of go, well, you're trapped in your time. You're oh, so many things lately that I've been, uh, since we're in quarantine, we've been watching a lot of older stuff. And... Uh, but not even sometimes that's what surprises me sometimes it's something that's like 10 years old and then you watch oh, well no it's funny is uh, my friend john writes a uh for a live series called the chair and in the chair what happens okay. is he writes a monologue for an actor uh you give him a word and he writes it and uh, a monologue and then you perform it and because of the pandemic we're doing them online and I really only wanted to do one of the three that he wrote for me because I thought it would translate very well to being online, like being in a Zoom call or something. But I had to call him and go, we have to change parts of this yep. monologue. Now, this monologue was only written five years ago. But the opening line, which at the time was funny, I, I said now is problematic because it, it started with brothers and sisters and nondescript others. We of the Flaming Fascist Party, right? And I went, I can't say nondescript others because that, that, that will be offensive to trans yeah, people. True. And it might have been a, a, a charming, not necessarily a laugh out loud line, um, but a, a, you know, a, a whimsical line five years ago, but that has changed. <laughs> and it's no longer whimsical. And it's it's uh, what I find hard sometimes. It's it's uh, geographics comes into place in that. Like uh, like here in Quebec, it's really uh, really well. Well, I guess maybe not everybody, but most people will use 
uh, queer, to say queer community, instead of being LGBTQ plus, blah, blah, blah. Instead of maybe missing a letter, people feel like using the word queer yeah. includes everybody. And uh, that's kind of how I've been, that you'll, you'll hear in this show, that's the kind of, I'll use the queer community and use uh, the word queer a lot. But uh, when I went to New York, I was surprised to find out that... Well, no, it depends on whether your population is aged or not. Older people don't like the term. Younger people embrace it. So we Mm -hmm. have to wait for the old ones to die. (laughs) Well, it would be the same in Quebec, too. But Quebec is also, because it's French culture, it's more progressive. Uh, uh, but in New York, you've got a much older population. So when you say queer, they'll go, <gasps> and that permeates through the entire culture. Uh, yeah. yeah, it really offends them. No. Well, not everyone, not everyone. Because I've had good discussions with people, and I've actually had discussions with people where they were actually telling me that they had changed lately. Like, they used to hate it, and now they understand why. Like, to me, queer yeah. is anything that's not, uh, non-gender, uh, a yeah. cisgender straight person is queer. Yeah, anything, <laughs> anything outside anything that, that fits within the spectrum. Um, one of the, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, in Vancouver, we have the Vancouver Queer Film Festival, and it's been called that for over a decade. And the reason being is they were like, we encompass everything. Um, and it's like, get over it. Um, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna get up really quick and close the door to my bathroom. The, um, the neighbors have a pipe that makes no a very problem. high-pitched squealing sound. So I'm just going to close. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> no problem. It feels like they're boiling tea or something. They just like really hot showers. So, <laughs> all right, I'm back. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting that that how much language is changing. I sometimes go into universities and I do talks on queer history, and particularly around transgender issues, I say this language is changing so rapidly because this is traditionally a a group that has not had power and they now have power uh, and they now have a platform and they are very excited about this and they haven't settled on anything yet. So you're going to run into one transgender person Mm -hmm. and say, oh, please use the term Z and Zer. And you're going to see someone else go, you're going to have to use the term they. Right. And and you're like, okay, please somebody yeah. pick one. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, it's not going to be that simple because it hasn't settled yet. They're, they're, they're getting their own voice. But I heard yeah. another speaker, this was about other issues, say, when you go into someone's house, not that we can do that right now, you always say, should I take my shoes off or not? And they tell you. Right? So treat people with the same courtesy you would treat their house. If they say, please use they True. in reference to me, you go, okay. And don't act so offended that you've been asked to do this Herculean task of changing how you address them. Because you wouldn't do that to their house. If you were going into their house and they said, no, you can keep your shoes on, you would yeah. keep your shoes on. And if they said, no, please take your shoes off in my house, you would take your shoes off. And it makes me laugh because it's confusing for us too because it's it's been changing so much. But uh, it's really confusing for a lot of straight people, even more from uh, 
Like I'm from New Brunswick, so a small town where they don't really have those discussions ever. And uh, then when uh, I come up and I'm like, uh, I'm like, uh, yes, I'm gender fluid. <laughs> and then they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm a guy, but sometimes I feel like I'm a girl. And it's I don't think I'm non-gender because I do not feel like I'm. I, I'm, I'm more of a man than a girl, but some days I feel more like a girl and I'm not afraid to wear high heels. I'm not afraid to wear makeup. I have long hair. Uh, and, uh, and then people are like, they're like, what do you mean gender fluid? <laughs> it's, it's, I'm like, it's not that hard to understand. It's just I'm not non-gender and I'm not transgender, but I'm not afraid of my feminine side either. I'm not, and sometimes I will hide it, but sometimes I would. Yeah. definitely not want to hide it which is what it is to be gender fluid this is fluidity it's it's we like to play with it it's depending where we are with who we are and i'm a gemini so yeah, everything i no, do all totally. the time is like that <laughs> um it's it's uh uh it's i i just love that uh you know take your shoes off analogy it's 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 not yeah. any harder than that it's interesting because now when i i am well back when i am seeing stuff before this epidemic or pandemic hit um even when i was doing an event in burnaby i was doing a family event in burnaby for canada day and one of the first things they said was please do not use the term ladies and gentlemen and one of the things that i've been doing for oh. the last year it was a, a friend of mine suggested it is i say ladies and gentle thems yeah yeah oh, well because yeah that's a good idea that's good uh they what did they want to, you to say not then? use gender related terminology yeah so everyone yeah <laughs> hey everyone so okay. yeah don't be specific non-specific okay but I've been saying ladies and gentle them. And one of the things that I find is the people who that issue is important to them, and it should be important to all of us, hear it. And the people who it isn't important to don't notice it. No, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. That's, it's always, it's that. Yeah, exactly. When you make jokes and blah, blah, it's the, uh, you have you can have ninety nine person that will find it funny and yeah. one person won't find it funny, but it doesn't mean that yeah. that one person is not so, right. So yeah, so I've been doing that for a while now, saying ladies and gentlemen, um, and I try to, and I try to say they yeah, um, yeah. Uh, as much as possible, uh, and there's precedent for that. But you know, uh, I thought of another thing that might be of interest to you and your listeners. Um, because yes. I uh, went out, uh, I I came out as gay very slowly, and in incremental, like most people knew before I told them. <laughs> uh, and one of the okay. things, because I was a performer uh, and wanting to perform, I was very, I'm a very late bloomer, and I would be ushering at theaters and watching comedians and watching improvisers doing late night shows. And then eventually I started to get involved with theater sports as a performer. And I remember doing, getting my very first show playing at the, the late night venue that I used to work at as an usher. And I was terrified because that audience when I was an usher 
was always kind of homophobic and there was sometimes homophobic jokes and there, there was a roughness about that crowd. Mm. It was a drinking crowd. And so I was so scared that they were going to spot me as gay right away. And I remember saying to one of the bartenders, I'm like really scared to do the show tonight because I'm worried that they're, they're not going to judge me whether I'm funny or not. They're just going to judge me as being gay. And so I did the show. I had an okay time and I went and I asked my friend Kendra, who was bartending afterwards, how did I, how did I do? How did I look on stage? Did I look gay? And she went, David, you were the butchest guy on that stage. Because <laughs> I was trying so hard to compensate. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so anyways, where are the chicks at? <laughs> yeah. That is so funny. I can so see it. And then too. like, uh, uh, oh my probably about six months later, I was at their main theater and they asked for two players for, uh, it's an improv show. So uh, they, it's a team of actors and they just making up stuff. And the host asked for two players and myself and Sean McDonald, uh, uh, another gay player in the company, both got up and they asked the audience, what's something that uh, roommates might argue about? And somebody in the audience just went, a girl. And Sean and I just looked at each other and the audience laughed. And what was kind of beautiful about this uh, was that they laughed in recognition, not in derision. They laughed like, oh, well, that's going to be oh, funny because yeah. that's so not, <laughs> not something men would be uh, fighting about. Yeah. Uh, and it was, and I remember distinctly it not being mean spirited. And I felt, oh, wow, the world has changed a little bit. Yeah, but that's what that's what I that's what you find when you look at the the representation in media. It's back in yeah. the day it used to only be the bad guys or Super mentally idol. challenged or stuff like that. And then as the days went on, as the years went on, suddenly you start seeing good representation or well at least trying to do a good representation. Like I remember myself growing up uh, in Dawson's Creek when uh, the character that Kerr Smith plays, which is called Jack. He's a football player. It uh, doesn't look gay at all. And you would, uh, unless, except the scene where he's actually on a date with his boyfriend or actually he's kissing his boyfriend, he doesn't look gay. He doesn't act gay. Yeah. He just is. It's, they don't, it's, that was really for me growing up that even if I'm totally gay and I'm like, I'm a little bit like you say, people know it before, <laughs> knew it before I knew it. Uh, and I, a lot of people, sometimes people tell me, it's funny, sometimes people tell me, oh, I didn't know <laughs> until, until you opened your mouth. And I'm like, okay, well, thank you. But at the same time, a lot of people say, no, the second you walk, I knew. So I'm like, okay, well, what's, what's, nice. what do you mean? <laughs> I get told, I, I do, I do have long hair, so it happens even more nowadays. But I do, even in public, sometimes get called ma'am. And I'm like, oh. I don't get offended. Like I said earlier, I'm gender fluid, so I'm not going to get offended. <laughs> but uh, I'm, uh, sometimes I'm questioning myself. I'm like, what am I doing to make them think I am a woman? Because I am actually not right. actively doing anything. Well, <laughs> it, it, it's like, uh, uh, always something that I take with a, a grain of salt. I always find when people, like I understand when people get upset, when people get mislabeled, um, but unless it's being done with malicious intent, 
if it's being done naively or automatically, sometimes. Yeah, I yeah. exactly. I don't get offended. Yeah, times yeah. Because I'm like, he doesn't know better. Uh, and there's enough people out there in the world that are going to be out to get you. <laughs> so, uh, so why take offense to every little exactly. thing that happens? Uh, particularly when no offense was intended. One of the things that I think is interesting too is particularly now that I am an older gay is uh, I'm running into uh, uh, ageism more often. Oh. And, and in particular, uh, 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 it's come up a couple of times in the uh, uh, queer community, but I think in general too, because I'm, I'm a, I love to improvise. I love to have fun. And I remember this wasn't, this wasn't queer related. I was doing an improv show and we were having a, a meetup because it was all strangers. And so we had to do a quick little meetup. Okay. And one of the young people, when I sat down at the table, went, man, you're old. <laughs> and oh. I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> like, fuck you very much. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, oh my God. That's like on RuPaul's Drag Race when Tempest Dujour showed up and the, the other girl just looked at her and was like, how old are you? That's the first thing she told. Like yeah. she said, like, what does, what is that going to do? <laughs> yeah. So it's that, 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 uh, I remember a, a local, I think, oh, I don't want to misrepresent. I'm pretty sure it was Joni told a story about, she was just chatting with someone in a framing shop, I think it was. And she said something like just sort of, you know, friendly like or fun like. And the person went, I don't date older men. Oh. And she, she uh, well, he, and he's not being Joni, uh, had no intention of hitting on the person. They were just trying to be friendly. <laughs> and right away, this young thing was like, I'm not into you, just so you know. I was like, oh, good, because I was merely talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like in Montreal, we have the village where, well, it's quite, it's Canby Street in, uh, in Vancouver. Street. Davy Street. Street, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just the, the gay area. It's like if you're there in a shop shopping, there's a good chance that the person who works there is going to talk to you whether they want to flirt on you or not. <laughs> yeah, because we're so not used to have like another gay person talking to us when we're not from the city. Sometimes we're like, hey, if, yeah. if you're gay and you're talking to me, you must want something. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 uh, uh it's quite funny because uh, uh, the only time I ever feel that I'm older is I, I find, you know, I find I get tired out sooner. Uh, uh, I want to, I want to, you know, but if I'm not, but like working on these films, like I said at the beginning, we're working on these uh, two short films. Uh, one of them, I stayed up for almost 20 hours working on it because I was so busy and creative and my energy was up that I was able to pull that off. Uh, the next day I slept in quite late. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I sometimes forget that I'm old. <laughs> yeah, the, the mind, like my my part, my life partner always says that he's still 21, which he's really not. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, it's it's a mindset. It's just, uh, yeah. it's where the, the body is, is just an envelope. It's not what, it's whatever is inside sometimes is, 
feels younger than what it looks like or feels yeah. like. <laughs> exactly. I'm 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 just turning 30 now and I feel sometimes and I'm like older than that. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I feel older. <laughs> You're an old soul and a young body. <laughs> I like I drink tea and I complain about my arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> so okay so we talked about like uh, growing up but um if we skip to like uh, the 90s even the 2000s and even today there's still uh representation that's happening and even more since you are in the business um is there anything that you can really think late uh, in the past 20 years that really you can say oh that was like that it really hit you like you really remember that being like a really special for well, for the queer community or for you maybe for me myself the only thing that happens to me sometimes um where i i run into the issue of being gay is like i said i i do a lot of um public speaking And I do a lot of MC work. And if I, I'm really comfortable in front of audiences and I feel really at ease. Um, and I have a good time at the audience is having a good time. And there's been a few times where I went, ooh, I, this audience is not digging me. I'm coming across too gay for this audience. Okay. Um, and I, I tend to like to do more characters when I MC as opposed to myself. That way I'm hiding behind the character a little bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know the feeling. Yeah. So that way they're not looking at me, right? They're looking at that character and that way I can get away with more stuff. But yeah, yeah. in terms of events, I don't know. I, I just think about my own getting comfortable in my own skin. Like I said, that that moment when the audience laughed and a laugh of recognition was a significant moment i still remember it being like i went on tour with theater sports and when we were doing the question period one of the kids said do you guys know kids in the hall and uh, uh i think someone else was answering going no we don't know them we know of them And he, he pointed at me and said, you remind me a lot of Scott Thompson. Which is the gay character. Which, which was the, the gay character. actor. Yeah. And he wasn't saying like, oh, you, you act like him. He was saying, because I think you're gay. Uh, it was like a mean, mean thing to it, say. Thing, it was pointed. And I remember, I remember it killing mm -hmm. me because I, I had just done a 45-minute comedy show and many of... Maybe he didn't, but the rest of his peers were laughing. And uh, uh, for him to say that, I went, oh, oh, yes. Not everyone will love you. <laughs> right. Yeah, it reminds me of when I was, uh, right when I got out of acting school, we went uh, back to my hometown, me and my roommate, and we did a, a show for, for a camp for handicapped kids. And... Um, Well, it's literally a, a, a summer camp where if you have a, a kid in needs, you can send them there and they take care of 
them for for a week so the parents can have a week off and nice. and uh, so we did a charity for them and um like a week after or two weeks after uh, we did we did for the schools too and then uh, I get a message from an old girl. I think she was 13, maybe 12 or 13. She sends me a message and she's like, uh, uh, you're the guy who was singing at the school and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yes. And we, were, we did skits and we, were, we did comedy skits and stuff like that. And then she was like, are you gay? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I'm just trying not to answer the question. I'm like, almost saying like what's the point like yeah. i don't understand why you're asking me that and then she goes because i think you're funny but if you're gay you're not what an asshole <laughs> and i was like okay well I, I was like what 21 maybe and i'm like i'm 21 and i'm getting told tell things like that by a little kid and i'm like what's going on here like should I talk to the parents? Should I do something about this? Should I, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. But that's from a, well, it's not an excuse, but it's from a small town in New Brunswick. So people don't think the same way as in big cities and stuff like well, that. But still. Like that old song from um, Rogers and Hammerstein, they have to be carefully taught, right? Children, uh, children aren't natural. Children will listen, yeah. Yeah, children aren't naturally racist or homophobic you have to teach that to them mm -hmm. so, so true so if you run into a child that's acting that way or saying things like that you just have to sort of pity them and it's so weird you're like okay you really think i was funny you you probably laughed the whole time i was there and you loved me you, i probably was your favorite and then suddenly somebody said oh he is gay and suddenly everything has been erased yeah and you know that it, when you see that coming out of a child, you know that people of any age, there is some people that do think like that. And it's, it's kind of scary, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it well, is. It is. Um, the, the, the one thing that I think is kind of cool that uh, I do think that hate is on the on the wane, like, I mean, one of the reasons why so many in the States, you, uh, so many groups use names like the Moral Majority or the <laughs> Million Moms March. Oh my God. They only have 25 of them, right? Is they're trying to make it sound like there's more of them than there are. And in this era of, uh, I've noticed this as a teacher too, is now I'm, I'm teaching artistically leaning students. So they're gonna be a little bit more progressive, but, um, uh, there's still some. <laughs> well, no, but but because everyone has the ability on at their fingertips on their phone to get mm -hmm. information, you know, almost every young person has typed in gay porn into their phone uh, uh, or onto their laptop, not because they were thinking, oh, oh, I think I might like seeing some guy on guy action. They were just really frigging curious about what it was. Mm -hmm. They looked at it. And when you see the physical act, right, you kind of go, oh, well, it doesn't look scary. It doesn't look, do you know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. it's going to be harder to make people be hateful when people can access everything. Right. And it's true because everything is in your hand nowadays. You yeah. Can, yeah. Totally. 
Is there a good like coming out story that you, you remember, whether it was from a book, from a film, from a TV show? Like I remember, I remember the movie. I don't know if you know that. It's called Prom Queen. It's a Canadian film. It's with one of the twins, uh, the Ashmore twins. Oh, okay. Sean, yeah, uh, one. My... Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I'm sorry if. I don't think they will be listening to this, but if they are, I don't remember which one it is. It was the but good one. one. Of them, it was the good yeah, one. But... <laughs> and the worst thing is that I've worked with one of them on X-Men. But, uh, okay. Uh, um, so, um, yes, that uh, the movie is called Prom Queen, and it's a gay guy who wants to go to prom with his boyfriend. And the school doesn't want to let him, so he, uh, the, his parents and him, they sue the school. They take the, the school to court and everything to bring his boyfriend to prom. It was a true story. Nice. It's a Canadian film. And uh, in the movie, uh, when he makes his coming out, he goes to see his parents and he says, uh, I'm gay. And then his parents look at each other and his mom says, uh, we knew you have blue hair and a Celine Dion poster in your room. <laughs> and I was watching that movie with my mom while I had blue hair. <laughs> And while there was like three Celine Dion posters <laughs> in my room. So I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, I don't even think I knew already back then that I was gay. But suddenly I was like, uh, is this? I always remember that feeling that I had like, uh, should I be getting a hint here? <laughs> yeah. so, so it wasn't so much that your mom was putting two and two together. It was you were putting two and two together. Well, no, but there was an energy in the room that I felt like my mom was thinking the same thing too. <laughs> nice. That's like I was okay. thinking, oh no, I think I just was outed. <laughs> and my mom was like, Mm, I think my kid might be gay, you know? <laughs> That's hilarious. But my parents, I'm I'm lucky. My parents told me when I was eight years old that it was okay. You know what? My You were asking, like, I can't think of a, a specific coming out story. Coming out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I remember, um, oh, what was it? Uh, I remember... Uh, I remember coming out to a, a woman by the name of Trixie in her car and it being very painful and very difficult. And her saying um, uh, that sh sh she was honored and she didn't care. Right. And I was like, well, fuck you. <laughs> that was really hard. <laughs> uh, but, but, but what she meant by that was it doesn't change how she feels about me. Yeah. And I remember that, that, that experience of being so painful of trying to say the words out loud to her um oh it's not easy yeah, yeah i agree and uh uh it's one of those things that the more you say it the easier it gets <laughs> and that that woman was like a friend or... yeah she was a, uh, a friend a close friend okay because yeah. i i i remember uh when I told my parents, uh, my my mom, I uh, I was just like, oh yeah, I I've met someone, uh, yeah, everything is good, and and uh, uh, and then suddenly I like slipped a he in there, you right, know? <laughs> and then that was it. Like I was just, and then my mom stopped talking, and she went in the bathroom and. 
whatever. <laughs> but uh, it, it's uh, it's some it's it's weird sometimes because because um, my like I said, my parents told me when I was eight years old that it was okay to be gay. They would always love me more tomorrow than they love me today. or Whatever happened, right? You know, they always love me more and more and more. But when I came out, my mom wasn't able to talk to me for a week. Oh my! Because every time she would talk to me, she'll start crying. And to her, I figured out after that to her, and that was in what? I was 16, so that was in 2006. Uh, to her, coming out was uh, becoming more flamboyant, becoming gayer. You know, when you accept that you're gay, you become more, you become gayer. And to her, people would see that and then I would have more chance to be hurt. You know what I mean? Because... But I don't know why, because we don't change. I was the same way before I came out or not. Right. But for for my mom, she thought that because I was accepting that I was gay now, that I had more chance to get beat up and stuff. And right away, when I realized that, I looked at her and I was like, Mom, we're not in the 60s anymore. But uh, I, I have friends that, like that. Like there's still scary stories happening today. So it's not really what we should say, but... It's we just got to be careful, but uh, it's uh, she uh, that's why she couldn't talk to me for a week. She was scared, not she was not, she was not, she didn't love me more or, le- or less, you know what I mean? That was not the problem, she was just scared of other people, not me, right? Oh, wow, yeah, that's I, I do think a lot of times I've heard that before, and that certainly is a plot line in many uh television stories. Is, uh, it's more concern for the son um, or daughter's well-being uh, because yeah. of society in general, not because of the their sexuality. Yeah, or like uh, like my mom, I always wanted to be an actor, and I think for her, like when you're gay, you had like more chance of playing straight characters and stuff like that. So I remember her mentioning. Uh, doors being closed because I was gay. Right. And I remember just being like, well, let's knock them down. Yeah. There's like, there's no, there's no reason. That was my mom. My dad, my dad drove me to school the day after I told my mom. And then when he dropped me at the school, he said, uh, my, your, your mother talked to me last night. Blah, blah, blah. And then he, he put his foot in his mouth, as we say. Like, I know that's not what he meant. Right. But he said, uh, I wish I had a real boy. Oh, dear. What a horrible thing to say. He said, he said I love you, but I still wish I had a real boy. But that's translating because it was my parents are French. Yeah. But that's what it meant. And uh, it really, really pissed oh, me off. Oh, yeah. I, 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 got, I hope he regrets I saying got, that. I hope he regrets saying that and has had an opportunity to take it back. I, I don't know, but I remember like getting out of the car, looking at him and saying, I'm a real beep, beep, beep boy. Oh, and, how lovely. And closing the door and walking straight into the school, pissed off as hell. I'm glad <laughs> that you did that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, right away, I, right away, I was like, um, but I'm, I was, when I told my parents, I was already past the point of not letting the bullies bully me. 
Nice. You ha- you know I had you know you I don't know if it's like that for every gay boy probably not, but for a lot of us it's we get to a point where we get bullied and we let them bully us because we don't really know who we are we don't really accept who we are we don't we're afraid of what we are and then suddenly we know what we are and we don't give a yeah. So even if you do tell me, if you call me a faggot, I used to look at them and be like, yes, and. <laughs> How very improv of you. <laughs> that was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that was, that was what I used to tell people. Yes, and. And in French, I would say, c'est quoi ton problème? We're like, what's your problem? Yeah. Yes, I'm gay. What's your problem about it? I'm not causing you problem being I'm gay. You're the one mentioning yeah. it. So I used to, so when my father did that, my first reaction right away was already to, what the fuck? Like, you know, I'm like, I'm a real boy. I'm not Pinocchio here. Like, I love that. I love that so much. But I knew, I know my father. I know that's not what he meant. It's just, he, he, he sometimes, he, um, we call it diarrhea. Of yeah. mouth. He, he says things, it's, it's not what he means, but it comes out <laughs> yeah. that's that uh i i i hope uh he well i hope he hears this and realizes what he said uh even if he didn't mean to say it it was the words that he said and he has an opportunity to go that's that's not what i meant well i did mention it to my mom mm-hmm. and uh i think she said something like don't tell your dad it's going to make him sad or something like that. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's going to make him sad? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't, I, I don't get it. And that was like two years ago. And I was like, what? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's sometimes, it's, it's like you say, it's we, people that don't live what we live, what we go through every day, don't understand what we go through because it's not their life. It's not what they're living. Nice. When you're not when you're not different, you, you you don't know what it is to be different, to be looked at everywhere you go. Uh, me, I'm like like we said earlier, I'm I I, I look gay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm pretty gay. I can play straight if I want to, but it's not my uh, it's not my uh, it's not the first thing you think of when you think. Well, of and in, in terms <laughs> of being an artist or performer, I mean, the the. There's tons of examples of people. Uh, I was just watching a, a, a YouTube channel yesterday that was talking about artists like Charles Bush and Charles Pierce, uh, apparently people named Charles, um, who, <laughs> who created their own work because people told them they were never going to make it in the business. And I say that mm-hmm. to the students all the time. You might recall me saying that to you, is it's not about waiting for someone to open the door for you. Right, it's it's you go no. well. Screw it. I'm a performer. I'm an actor. Uh, <coughs> I, I am. I, I have something to say. Um, so I'm going. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to wait for someone to give me permission to do it. And um, sometimes you end up eking out your own new way of your own career, or sometimes on rare occasions you also get people's attention because you're doing your own thing, and they go, "Hey, we can make money off that thing." Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's too easy in this business to go, oh, well, I couldn't succeed in this business because of blank. Right. It's like, no, you, 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 you make your own stuff. 
Yeah, it's uh, and it's been it's changed a lot in the last couple of years too. Because I remember, like maybe ten years ago, not even not when I was in acting school, Rupert Rupert Everett was saying in interviews that he was uh, recommending to the younger generation of gay actors not yeah. to come out. And that was only like 10 years ago. He's like, it's going to fuck up your career. It's going to... And, and then uh, today we do have a few, not a million, but we have like Neil Patrick Harris. We have uh, Matt yeah. Bomer. We have, uh, we have uh, a few gay actors that we know are gay that play straight yeah. all the time. Uh, the one, there's one that I always, every time I, I hear that he's gay, I'm like, people don't know he's gay at all. It's... Um, Luke Evans. Oh, okay. Luke Evans, he's, he's gay. He yeah, was, he's Canadian, too. Uh, he's British. No, Luke no? Evans is Canadian. Uh, yeah, well, what, he, uh, no, he's from Pontypool, oh, UK. Because okay. <laughs> he, he, that's what it is. That's why I knew he was gay, because he started his career in London on the stage, mostly. And he had his boyfriend. He was always known as a gay actor and all that. And then he started doing movies and blah, blah, and went to do movies in the States. But we never mentioned it mm. in the States. He would just not talk about it. And still to this day, he never talks about his personal life, blah, blah, but we know he has his boyfriend and, and all that. But he's not... Um, yeah, we never. He plays Gaston in Beauty. Yeah, and it's one of those things that happens uh, when they start moving into get like, oh, you're about to break big as a big star. Uh, suddenly, it becomes an an issue. Um, uh, but younger actors, that's not as much. And and then you also have people like Kate McKinnon on Saturday Night Live, who's very openly lesbian, and yeah but never once yeah but no it. she still will do skits though where she's playing a lesbian right she just finds her sexuality means, she's been interviewed about that specific question five hundred thousand times so that's why yeah, she doesn't want to talk about it she's like oh my god can we talk about the movie that i'm in not about the fact exactly but i think it's more mostly it's not the fact it's not even i don't want to talk about being a lesbian it's more like i don't want to talk about yeah and, I, and i've answered the question Right, a hundred times. Exactly. So, and I—that's another one that I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm sometimes I don't know if I'm sleeping under a rock or something. But uh, when I—I I only learned that she was a lesbian like two years ago, and I was like, so like fabric blast, like I couldn't believe it. Is it? Like, I'm like, how did I? How did I miss this? Okay, McKinnon. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. she was on a show. There was a sketch comedy show called The Big Gay Show. And see, yeah, and it was it was on like one of those cable channels, and she was one of the stars of it, and because I knew her from yeah, but that was Latin. before she did SNL, and uh, uh, the Big Gay oh. Show was uh, mm, it lasted two or three seasons, and uh, it was the sketch comedy show, but it was all gay actors, openly gay actors, and, um, so that's part of her history now. That's on her IMDb, so she can't she can't pretend it's not there. And, and like I said, she's not. She doesn't, you know, she's right. She writes enough. She does enough sketches on SNL where she's playing a lesbian, right? It's it's funny. I'm still looking at Luke yeah. Evans' page, and you're you're gonna. It's gonna show you how he was not afraid of being gay in the UK and then moving to the states, and we didn't know he was gay. 
because when he was in the UK, he did uh, West End productions of uh, it's called La Cava, but it's like uh, the yeah. Birdcage. Then he did yeah. Taboo. Then he did Avenue Q. Avenue Q has one gay character. I yeah. don't know if he did that character. And then he did Miss Saigon. And then he did Rent. Yeah. So he was in every gay play that I know yeah. of almost. So <laughs> I think he he was, he really had, he was, like I said, he, he never hit it in the theater world. But then when he translated to the movie world, he was didn't really want well, to. Well, it's one of those it. things where it's not seen as a plus, right? If you're, if you're, if you're like when you go into movie star status, right? It's you become uh, 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 the, the, the sexual desire of many. So that's the And he plays yeah, straight but, a lot. So I, I think I mean, that if you were to talk about it all the time, people would not be able. That, but people think that if you were to talk about it all the time, people would not be able to believe he could still play straight, which yeah. I think is bullshit. Well, and I think it's I think it's also part of the thing. Like a lot of people won't say they're married or talk about their marriage because they're 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 trying to keep that aspect of their life. Um, uh, I mean, I think it's different. If he was saying, "I love me some titties," "I love my girls," "I love the titties," then we go, "Okay, well now you're being." <laughs> Right, and he's not yeah, doing yeah. that. He's just saying, "I yeah. don't want to." I don't want to talk. Yeah, he just yeah. doesn't talk about it. True. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, so true. But it's it's changed in the last uh, in the last year or two because uh, he he just came out with an album, I think, and all the songs he's been covering are all like gay icon songs. So I was like, oh, I think he's I think he's proud yeah. of who he is now. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, I did a documentary uh, show on on whether or not people should come out or not, and it was a, one of the things was you come out if you want to come out, and if you don't want to come out, that's okay too. It's your life and your career, True. right? And one other person said if you have affectations that m make you very clearly gay, right? you know, talking with a lisp, having loose hands and big gestures, then you can have that. But no, you're probably not going to get cast as the construction worker. Right? Yeah. Just like a guy, although a, a guy who acts like a construction worker is very often cast as a gay character because they want to make the gays <laughs> pleasing that way. <laughs> but Yeah, and it's funny because it's... Uh... That's that's a that's a two and two uh, two edged sword because that's what I mean. They, they'll let the the straight guy play. Oh, it's fun to to try to play gay, but they don't often give the chance to the gay guy to do so because I've done it and I've seen results and I think it's plausible. And but in real life, it's not like I'm an actor. It's when the when you say action, I'm in character and I do my job. And but sometimes people don't let you the chance to get to that point of showing them yeah. that you can do it in our business. Yeah, totally. Um, like if you walk in the room and you already look gay, they're like moving on to the next. And you're like, okay, well, let me let me do my work first and then judge my work. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, 
you know, and but then uh, also it's all about age. Like Ezra Miller, who's in the Justice League movies, is very openly gay. Right. Well, he's yeah. easy. I think I, last time I checked, he I'm, was like pansexual. He's not, he's he came out as queer in 2012, uh, and he has he dated Zoe Kravitz when they were doing Beware the Gonzo. So he might have been pressured into. Uh, uh, you should date a girl if you're if you think you're bisexual. Go on a date with a girl yeah. just so because we're moving you into movie stardom, right? But he he has come out in the press back in 2012. So unless he comes out again and says, "Oh my God, I was drunk when I said that," uh, mm -hmm. but you know he very proudly uses they them pronouns and stuff. So he says he yeah. he makes me proud because they like. Uh, it's he's he's the flash he's like he's uh yeah. he's a superhero like he it's i i didn't have someone to look up to as a gay teenager that was a superhero back then you know there was there was no my my gay superhero when i grew up was buffy oh yeah because i i saw well it, it was written that way but I saw as a teenage, as a kid growing up, the the analogy of being gay in Buffy because she's she she didn't chose she didn't choose to be a slayer. She doesn't always right. want to be that. She she she's forced to be that because that's yeah. who she is. And then there's literally at the end of season two when she actually tells her mother that she's a slayer. It's exactly a coming out scene and her mother kicks her out and it's like the 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 sentences could could be used in the coming out scene about being gay it would totally, totally make sense so that that was my gay superhero it growing up it was such a great show. It, so it's cool today that to be like oh my god the flash <laughs> is gay or, or like, gender queer or gender queer he really is yeah, exactly. And I don't know if the if they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna make the character itself. But it's still nice to know that the the actor is. And but there is a superhero movie that's gonna be coming out soon with a gay character in it. That that uh, the Immortal. the Immortals. I think I, I just. Saw <laughs> I thought you said the Immortals. Yeah. It's like oh great judgment. Ah <laughs> uh, no. No, no, and more right. tolls, tolls. <laughs> well, this has been wonderful chatting with you, and uh, yes, thank I you hope, very uh, much. Uh, I hope you and your your listeners find uh, my perspective uh, on my experiences of interest. Well, the idea is just so we can have a little discussion about uh, where we came from and. What helped us yeah. move into who we are, and since we're all stuck inside, uh, what's better than exactly a discussion? Well, you sound like you're way to the races with this, and I, uh, 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 if people want to see anything by me, uh, you can search me on YouTube, David C. Jones, and you can find my character videos or um, DCJ Productions, my initials productions on Vimeo. Um, and uh, they can check out some of my films and stuff. I, I have a lot of gay films. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Love you very no much. No worries. It was great much. fun. Thank you. Bye. See you. Bye.
Well, that's all for today's episode of the So Outrageous Podcast. Thank you for listening. And thanks again to David C. Jones for joining me today. Don't forget to follow David on all social media and join us again in the near future for an amazing new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode. Plus, if you have any ideas, opinions, or constructive criticism, or even if you want to be part of a future episode, let us know at SoOutrageousPod at gmail.com SoOutrageousPod at gmail.com And we are also on Instagram. See you next time, lovers.